listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Good morning. My name is Michael Follett, and I've been coming to OCA for almost two years now. And I'm still deciding where I'm going to serve at. But this morning I'm going to be reading from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Take that with you. Thank you, sir. Welcome. If you're visiting with us, then we're glad you're here. We, in fact, we consider it an honor that you're here. You should have gotten a connection card when you came in the door. If it's your first time with us, make sure you fill that thing out. Hand it to one of the folks going out the door on that side because they've got some nice seafoam blue bag that they would like to give you as a reminder of your visit here with us and as something to remind you that uh, if, if what happens in here makes sense to you today, Well, then we want you to come back every week because we do this every week unless the building's flooded and then we do something else. But apart from that, we'll do this every week. So we're glad that you're here. We're in 2 Peter. I heard, or I say I heard, I read in one of the books that I follow behind, one of the authors said they like to think about the book of 2 Peter like a fried bologna sandwich. Anybody like fried bologna sandwich? Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Thank you, thank you. Those of you who know what's what, y'all know. Fried bologna is the way to go. So I like to think about it as a fried bologna sandwich. You see, chapter 1 and chapter 3 are those nice, soft, pastoral, encouraging sides of the sandwich. And chapter two, dealing with the false teachers, is the baloney between. And that's, I think, a pretty good example of how we see First Peter. We're, we're, we're assuming by what Peter has written that this is one of, if not the last things that he wrote to the churches that he saw himself as the primary shepherd of before His life was taken because of his faith, because of his witness of Jesus Christ, and and partly because he was one of those that walked with Jesus. Under the the leadership or the, uh, what should we call the, the, the tyrannical leadership of the Roman dictator Nero. Peter's writing these words encouraging the church. 
And he's trying to get their attention as this is the, this is the last things I'm going to be able to say to you. And I, I want you, in chapter 1 we saw, I want you to stay focused in the Word. I want you to keep your attention on the Word of God. I, I, I want you to understand that that is where you're going to find direction. That is where you're going to find your uh, roadmap for following Christ. And, and, and you're going to find it in the, in the works of the Old Testament that will continue to point to Christ until He returns or into eternity it will point to Jesus. And then these other things that you're hearing from the apostles, these eyewitness testimonies, you need to take them to heart and understand that we're trying our very best to convey to you what Christ has taught us, and we're trying to pass that down. Pay attention. Keep your nose in the Word. And then pay attention for the false teachers that are going to rise up. It's inevitable. It happened way back when, when the prophets of God stood up and communicated the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob says this, and they paid attention to that. And, and, and the false prophets rose up around and said, no, no, God says this. Peter says, just like the false prophets that rose up then, they're going to have false teachers that are going to rise up right in the middle of you. They're going to stand up. They're going to try to communicate that this is how you're to follow Christ, and it's going to be so far away from Christ if you'll pay attention You'll be able to recognize it. You'll see it in their lifestyle. You'll see it, yes, of course, in their theology, but you'll see it in their motives. You'll watch their character, and you'll know that these folks, no matter how appealing their words sound, are leading you astray. Mark them, because they have been marked for judgment, and what God said he'll do, he's going to do. Don't follow them. Don't get caught up in their net. And then we get the... Second piece of pastoral encouragement, comfort, and reminder that comes in chapter 3. We're going to hear him talk about stirring up the believers. When the events, the tragic events of 9-11 happen, you'll remember, in the days following, everything changed. You didn't just walk into the airport like you did on September the 10th. You didn't just go easily through the checkpoints. You know that everything changed. Because we, we came to realize that we're way more vulnerable than we thought we were as a nation. Or maybe we realized it but just didn't expect that it would ever happen. But on September the 12th, Everything. And, and you'll remember. I, I mean, in, in everything we did, we were paying attention to threat levels. We were paying attention to, to what the, the government was saying and reminding. And we were watching for bags just laying around unattended. We were looking for, for situations that might have looked less than, than what they appeared to be. We were on high alert. And we were on high alert for many, many weeks into the months. At sporting events, everything was checked and you were frisked because we realized we couldn't just let you in because we have no idea what you might be carrying along. How deep and wide does this thing go? But as the months went along and as the seasons continued and as the time between 
the attack that rocked our world, things began to loosen. Because we began to either think ourselves stronger or less vulnerable, or what is normal, we just became complacent as before. Oh, we remember the events. We remember them well. We, we, we really, you don't need me to tell you anything about the facts. You all could probably tell me, some of you could tell me the facts better than I know. Because we remember it. We, we honor it and we think about it. And, 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 and we're reminded, we talk to the kids about it. They're learning. It's, it's printed in their textbooks now. It's a part of our history and a, a memorial, a, a memory that we don't ever want to forget. But our everyday life, we're just kind of, yeah, I remember that. And we go on just like normal. Peter's reminding us, as he, as he does with the, with, with the reminder about the false teachers. Listen, he says, this is now the second letter in verse number one. Then I'm writing to you, beloved. He uses the word beloved because these are, these are followers of Jesus. The, these aren't hypocrites. The, these aren't folks that are pretending. These are those that are true, genuine followers of Jesus by faith. They have accepted, they have embraced Jesus as the crucified and risen Savior, the one that they were expecting. And if they were Gentiles, the one they didn't even know they were expecting, but they embrace as their Savior, which is how we, most of us, came into faith with Christ. Hearing what the Scripture says, knowing what He said about Himself, and then believing in His death and resurrection, and His, his current life, and His current status as, as seated at the right hand of God, and waiting to return to gather up His people. These were genuine believers. Are you a genuine follower of Jesus today? Do you know Jesus Christ by faith? Are you a follower of His? Yes. Okay. And, and guess what? If in, if in all honesty, you, you might have not said or you might be thinking, I'm not really one of those. Can, can I tell you, you are in the best place you could be. Not because of what you're going to hear me say or, or, or because of the, the experience you're going to have, but you're in the very best place you could be because you're surrounded by folks just like you who, who were apart from God until the day that, that what he says in his word became a reality in their heart and mind. And, and just like one of us, you too can just simply surrender your heart and life to God the Son who gave himself for you in your place and for your sin, crucified and raised. And by faith and faith alone, you can be born and adopted into the family of God just like we have been. And if that's your reality, then you too can say, well, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Peter says, beloved, I'm writing to you now. This is the second letter. There's some debate on whether or not that, that we need to see it as the second letter. Okay, well, this is second Peter, so first Peter. You know, it, it, this could have been the second of many. This could have been a second letter to another location. But we think that this is the second letter that he wrote to the churches in Asia Minor. And he says, I'm writing to you, beloved, so that I can stir up your sincere mind by way of reminder. We need stirring up. 
in every time that, that Christians have walked in this world waiting for Christ to return, to, the, to be living out the, 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 the life and ministry of Christ, we constantly need to be stirred up. In fact, I would argue that that's what we do every week. Every week, what we do is not blow your mind with these great theological, you know, orations. You know, I'm not doing that. I, I'm, what I'm doing, I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to, to remind you of whose you are. I'm trying to remind you of what you've been called to and what you have been given. And that is everything you need to live it out for God's glory. We need stirring up because over the course of the week, we can get a little bit lazy. We can get a little bit complacent. We can get a little bit unfocused. When all of those things take place, we can allow ourselves to get all entangled up in the cares of this life and the garbage that's going on and all the noise that we're hearing. And some of the noise that Peter's going to identify today are those that will come along and heckle you and me. Now, my wife and I love to watch stand-up comedy. We found this uh, stand-up comedy channel on VidAngel. It's an app. It's clean comedy. We love to watch it. It's just that's one of our things, okay? But one of the worst things that can happen to you as a comedian is to have somebody in the audience begin to heckle you. And, 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 and believe me, if you're not funny, if you're trying to make it as a comedian and you're not funny, they'll give you about five minutes of, of a head start. But if you don't catch them and you don't make it entertaining, they'll begin to heckle you. They'll begin to say things about you and make fun of you. And you all of a sudden become the recipient of the comedy from the seats. Now Peter says, as followers of Jesus, beloved... I'm here to stir you up and remind you because not only are there false teachers that are going to rise up among you, try to lead you astray and tangle you up in the net, there's also going to be folks in your life that are going to heckle you. And they're going to present themselves as those who know more about the universe than you do. And they're going to heckle your silliness of belief in things that they can, with intellectual precision, tear down with their arguments. They're coming, and they're going to try to trip you up, and I need you to beware of them. He says, I'm, I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to remind you. I'm trying to light the fire under your seat so you don't forget about all the danger that is around you, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. There are going to be some that are going to come. He's going to call them scoffers in just a second. But I'm trying to stir you up to get your mind and eyes on the things that were predicted by the holy prophets before. I, I want to get you so immersed in the teachings of Scripture. And, and notice what he does. He, he breaks it apart. He says, I want you to focus on what was predicted before. Some of those things have happened. Some of those predictions have come to be. Those promises of Messiah who would come. Those promises uh, of, the, of the, the donkey that he would ride in into the city has happened. The fact that he'd be born in Bethlehem, it's happened. But there are some things that haven't happened yet. 
What are we supposed to do about that? You're supposed to count on the validity and certainty of them. Just like the things that have happened, those that haven't are gonna. So I want you to get your focus on the promises that have still yet to transpire. And I want to draw your attention to some new information that the, that the followers of Yahweh have received. It's the Word of God, the Son Himself, the Lord and Savior. And, and that Word is coming to you through us that are apostles. Some of you heard the words of Christ when He spoke them. Others of you are unfamiliar, but we're communicating to you. We're doing what Jesus told us to do, and we're telling you what He told us. I want you to pay attention and get your focus drilled in on God's Word. Notice what he does here as well. He equates what every follower of Yahweh, specifically through the Jewish faith, everyone counted the Hebrew Old Testament as God's Word. And he's equating the God's Word that they all understand with the words of Christ coming through authors like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the letters that are coming through the apostles. And before we're done with this chapter, he's going to link the apostle Paul to that as well. He's making an argument that God's word, past, present, and what we're saying right now comes together to form what you need to focus on. You're a follower of Jesus, beloved you have a sincere mind. You've not yet fallen to the false teachers, but you need to pay attention. Keep your focus where it needs to be because, he says, first of all, knowing this, verse 3, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. We need to be stirred. Why? Because we get complacent, we get lazy, and we need to be reminded. We're going to do it every week as often as we can. We're going to remind one another of where our attention needs to be, who our focus needs to be on so that we can follow Jesus faithfully. And then we need to hear the sound of the scoffers. A scoffer, according to the definition provided by Warren Wearsby, the late uh, Bible teacher, says, scoffers are those who treat lightly that which ought to be taken seriously. I'm going to say it again. Scoffers are those who treat lightly things that ought to be treated seriously. Now, we've just come through a, a storm, uh, a hurricane, Hurricane Ian. See, Floridians understand that in this state, we are full of scoffers. Because what happens? Well, we've got this massive, you know, uh, natural disaster, three times larger than one of the biggest natural disasters to ever hit the state, barreling toward the state. And the governor and all these other folks are pleading with people to get away from the coast and get out of the low-lying areas, but inevitably, the newscaster will be standing at the beach, and everything will be blowing in this direction. And he's standing there, she's standing there talking, and over the left or right shoulder, what will you see? Folks out there at the water, 
standing around, you know, kicking, throwing some stuff. You know what they're doing? They're taking lightly something that should be considered serious. Teenage boys go through a scoffing stage at about nine, and it ends at about 45, okay? When they take, you know why? Because, you know how I know this? is because you get around a bunch of boys, and inevitably somebody's going to say these words. Hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> Taking lightly what ought to be taken seriously. I can remember Stacey and I, we worked at camp. And at camp in, in North Georgia, it would be blistering hot and dry for days and days. And at that time, the cabins didn't have air conditioning. It was miserable. We would go back every year. And I remember this one rainstorm came in the middle of the afternoon, and it was a, to use Peter's words, a deluge, okay? It was water that was just coming down in buckets. And there was lightning popping all around. And Stacy and I remember uh, hearing the shriek of the camp director's wife's voice as she's hollering to a 9 to 11-year-old boy who's seeking refuge from the heat amongst the lightning was standing under a broken down spout as the the funnel of water was coming down on his head and just washing over him as all of that water in the midst of all of that lightning popping back and forth. What was he doing? He was taking lightly something that needed to be taken seriously. Paul says, the, or Peter says, these scoffers are going to come. And it's not just that they are scoffers in their heart. These scoffers are coming with scoffing. Let's see, that sounds a little bit redundant. Of course, it sounds like, you know, these humans are coming with humaning. No, these scoffers could be scoffers in their heart and mind. They could say to themselves, man, that's silly, that's foolish. I'm not going to give this person any time. We do it all the time. We come across folks that, that hey, could I take a minute of your time? And, 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 or you get the knock at the door, and here lately it's, uh, have you thought about solar? It's like, not from you. but you know, So we just say, I don't have time. And we scoff internally. But Paul, or Peter, Peter says that these scoffers are going to come with scoffing. They're going to have things to say to you, beloved, they're going to take what they consider silly that you believe, and they're going to tell you about it. They're going to say things to you because they have rejected God themselves. They're going to scoff at you for what you believe. I wonder how many are in the room right now who feel intimidated to share your faith because in the past, when you have done so, you've encountered a scoffer that has risen and embarrassed you in front of others because of what you believe. They, they have taken their intellect, quote unquote, and they have scoffed at you so that you backed up thinking, well, maybe I don't understand this. Maybe what I believe is silly. And, and at the very least, you've become quiet. Or maybe you have begun to even question because of what they're saying that sounds so intelligent. Well, maybe what, 
Maybe what this says is a bunch of fables. So, beloved, pay attention. Scoffers have been around, and they're going to keep coming, and they're going to keep scoffing at the truths that are revealed in God's Word. They have rejected God's love. They have rejected God's grace. And they have denied His revealed command, His revealed Word. He says these scoffers are going to come with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Here's what they'll say, verse 4. They'll say, where is the promise of His coming? Now what Peter's referring specifically to is the hope of our faith, and that is the return of Jesus. We have confidence in His death and resurrection, that is which we've put our faith in. Now our hope, we get up in the morning... And we press on through all the junk. We wade out into the garbage of this world as lights in darkness because we have confident assurance that when Jesus says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And that hope that we have is what fuels our forward progress. Peter says, these folks are going to go, so... uh, Where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Here's what they do. They step in, and and probably not referring to your fathers, but the fathers that, oh, you know what? If we go back to these folks that you say you're following... The, the, the beliefs of these guys like Abraham and, and David and Daniel, those guys have all died. And everything's just kind of been going on, and I'm saying it's going to keep on going. So where, where is this? You keep talking about this return of Christ. Where's the evidence of this? Because I don't find it. These scoffers, these ones that that basically come to the teachings that we have and they weigh it in the balance and find it wanting. They go, you know what, I'm sorry. I I hear what you're saying, but it seems to me that you've got to abandon good, solid logic to believe what you believe. See, what Peter would say is, listen, y'all, I had to abandon logic. That day that I was out there in the boat, and we was about to sink, and then I saw Jesus walking across it. I mean, I just literally saw him standing on the water, and in that moment, any doubt that I had about the water's dividing so that the people could walk across on drug. Any doubt that I had about Moses hitting a rock and water coming out, any doubt that I had about the earth opening up and those scoffers of God falling down into the center, all of that went away when I saw that man walking on top of the water. It was all gone. So, yes, Yes, I do believe exactly. And I don't care what you say about holding up a rock and dropping it in the water and it going under. I'm telling you, I saw the man walking on top of it. So, sure, sure, I believe that. Oh, really? Really? I mean, come on, Peter. Seriously. I mean, I understand. He's crazy. But you all, you're following this too? I mean, have you lost your mind? Scoffers come 
with scoffing. I remember last week we talked about who empowers the false teachers. Who, who, who is it that they're getting their encouragement from? It's the roaring lion who prowls about looking for someone to devour. Who is that? It's the enemy. It's the enemy uh, 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 of ourselves. It's the enemy of our Lord. It's the enemy of truth. So certainly this same devouring, destroying enemy of ours is fueling the scoffs of those who have decided they won't believe. One author said that, that this particular argument that what has been happening has always been happening and it's going to continue to happen as it continues happening into the future. This was an, an ancient form of something called uniformitarianism. It means that the same causes and effects that have always been happening are going to always keep happening, and all these causes are going to bring about the same effects, and, and there is no uh, interruption in that by some sort of God thing. Uniformitarianism. Do you realize that's still around today? You, do you realize that many of those who scoff at the beliefs of Christianity are scoffing because through their intellectual study, through their calculations and recalculations and theories on top of theories, have come to understand that what God's Word says is not true at all. If, if you just calculate it back and date the carbon, you can see that, no, our, our universe is however many billions of years old. And I would say, well, I mean, I guess that could be true unless there's a God who could say, let there be whatever, and it already be in the state of however old He wants it to be in. I mean, if that's the case, if that's possible, then I guess God can make it look however old He wants to, and no good and well, the more you dig and test, you're going to think it's that many years old. Or you can just believe what He said about it. And they'll go, you really believe that? Yeah, I do, primarily because the one who also believed it got up from the dead. Um, I mean... He was dead and got up, and, and he believed all of that. He referenced all that kind of stuff. He believed it. You really believe he got up from the dead? Well, I got a historical document that's way more defendable than, than your PhD will, will concede that there was a guy who saw him alive and that there were 500 people at one time who saw him alive and while they were still alive would tell you, oh yes, we saw him. You know, that just carries a whole lot of weight with me. And why? Because, well, because God drew me to himself and it's very easy for me to believe. Yeah, yeah, I do. You really believe that? Oh yes, I do. Well, you're crazy. Well, I've been called worst already. So I guess you're going to have to call me crazy. Peter says, get ready. They're going to scoff you. They're going to say, you don't have a clue. You've lost your mind. You're insane. Uniformitarianism, materialism comes around. that says, no, the physical, observable universe is the only thing exi that exists. You hear about this? 
You're hearing about this stuff? If you live in this world, you do. I mean, everywhere you turn around, it's, well, yeah, this is all there is. Unless you hear about folks that think there's all kinds of dimensions and all that kind of stuff. You're like, where you get that from? Math? Well, no wonder I don't understand it because barely past that to begin with. What about, this is, this is a fun one, anti-supernaturalism. That's a fun thing. It means that the belief that no supernatural beings ever have or ever will interrupt the course of human history. Very popular in, uh, in, in today's academia. It's all over the place. Uh, no, no supernatural. You know, that's all just Marvel and CGI. Except that they only had one little basket of bread and fish. And that after he broke and 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 they ate and 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 ate. And by the way, I just want to thank Bill and Andy for putting together our men's kickoff barbecue last night. Those of you guys that were there, you had a good time, but here's what you did. Yeah, that's good. You got a round of applause. Only chat. But anyway, that's cool. But let me tell you something. They ate and ate and ate and ate. And I, so did I. But, but we only ate what was cooked. And what we had left over was just what was left after we ate from what we had when we began. Not with Jesus. He took a little basket and he broke and broke and broke. And they ate and ate and ate and ate. And thousands of people were saying, oh man, listen, I've had more I cannot hold anymore. And they collected 12 bushel baskets full of leftovers. Anti-supernaturalism. Okay. That seems a whole lot harder to believe than the eyewitness testimonies of those who gave their life brutally to defend the truths that they saw with their own eyes. You really believe that? I do. Well, you're crazy. I might be, but I'm redeemed because of what he said. And you can too. It's really just a matter of faith and surrendering your own intellect to the one who's way smarter than you are. But they don't want to hear that. And so they fall into other isms like atheism that says there is no God. To, to which I always ask, how do you know? How do you know there is no God? Oh, there is no God. If, if you can know there is no God, then that means you know everything. And so therefore... You're him. And, and since you're not, then at least be an agnostic. I mean, at least admit that God could exist apart from your knowledge. But the bottom line is that the masses will cling to any and everything because of their sin, but the truths revealed in God's Word. And Peter said, be ready. Because these scoffers are coming to you with scoffing. We need to be stirred up. We need to be reminded because they're coming and you've got them in your ears already. But then Peter says, but, but don't, listen, let me just, let me help you out a little bit. Let me help you understand where they're coming from so that you don't find yourself on slippery rocks, okay? You've got solid footing. If your feet are shod 
with the preparation of the gospel that brings peace. I'll refer you back to the armor of God that you behave. If you got that strong, sure footing, you don't have to worry about slipping. You just have to remain rooted and grounded in the teachings of God's Word. He said, let me tell you something. Truth always triumphs over intellect. Always does. Now, it might not in your argument over the, the hour that you're there on the plane ride with the person laughing at what you believe. It might not prevail over the many years across the cubicle, across the hall between cubicles from the, the person who scoffs at your belief. It might not triumph over your entire lifetime of a family member or a friend who thinks you're just nuts for being a follower of Jesus. But truth's always going to prevail. Here's what Peter says, verse number five. He said, let me explain something to you. They deliberately overlook this fact. Now, Peter says that what they're doing, is, they're not ignorant. They're deliberately overlooking something that is true. That, that, that stirs my heart because that's a reminder to me that that following Jesus really isn't about weighing the evidence and then deciding that, that what, what the Scripture says is true. What the Scripture says is true because it just is. And to deny that, no matter what argument I bring to it, is a deliberate step over the truth. Peter says they're deliberately rejecting this fact. First of all, that the heavens existed long ago. Now, he's not talking about millions of years. He, he's thinking with his Jewish mind about what the Scripture says in Genesis about before there was anything, there was God, and there has always been God. And, and when, whenever it was that God decided, and, and in fact, to even say whenever it was assumes time, and God's outside of time, but I digress. Whatever God decided at whatever point in whatever, he said, let there be light. And he created. Peter says they deliberately step over the fact that the heavens have existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of Water. Now think about your creation narrative. God spoke and, and, and there was light. And, and then we see that he moved along the face of the deep, moved along the, the face of the waters, and he separated the water from the water. The water above from the water below. And he created this space that we're inhabiting right now known as heavens, the atmosphere, if you will. So because they're stepping over this fact, and they're doing it deliberately. They're ignoring the fact that, that the heavens have existed long ago because of God's actions, and that the earth was formed out of water. That, that the earth that we're standing, actually God caused the earth to come up out of the water and separated dry ground from wet ground. It got water above, water below. We got wet ground, we got wet and we got dry ground, and, and, and that's what God did. And... Through water, through this same water, the water that God created above and below, and this dry ground, through all of that water, by God's Word, by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Now, back in chapter 2, you remember, 
Peter's making an argument about how that God knows when he judges, God knows how to judge those that, that, that require it and how to protect those that are his. And you remember he used some examples. He talked about the angels that were placed in prison. He talked about uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and how that God uh, saved Lot from that destruction. And then he also talked about the flood and how that God preserved Noah. He's going right back to that same anchor point. He says, these scoffers that come to you with their scoffing about what you're following and how, how you're trusting in the God that has provided Christ as your salvation, they're stepping over the fact, their belief that everything's been happening and it's going to keep happening and God's not going to be involved. They step over the fact that God's the one that created it. God's the one that separated it all out. God's the one that put it all in its place. And then at the word of God, God used all that water to destroy the earth. Now, now, what was it that was happening while uh, Noah was building the boat? Anybody remember? It's Noah's building. Noah was a herald of, of, of this judgment that was to come. And what was he hearing in his ears from those that were watching him build a boat out in the middle of the field? Scoffing, mocking, heckling until God says Noah you're probably going to want to move your hands away from the door frame because I'm about to close the door and when he closed that door and the water began to fall and the water began to rise and the lightning began to pop then those folks that were scoffing were brought headfirst into truth and that is what God says, God does. Now that can either be to your benefit and glory and redemption and restoration and new purpose for today and destiny for tomorrow, or that can be to your eternal demise. But what God says, God does. So look, scoffers come to you, Christians in 2022, what God the Holy Spirit is saying, I believe, through the Apostle Peter to you and me today is scoffers are going to come. And they're going to try to trip you up and they're going to try to make fun of you. But they're having to step over all of this truth that they have deliberately denied in order to scoff. And what they're forgetting is... Yes, God does step into the cause and effect because sometimes God is the ultimate cause that brings about the exact effect that He intends. He did it before with the stuff He made. And now this stuff that still exists today, guess what? Not going not to be drowned with water. No. He says, by the same word, verse 7... The heavens and earth that still exist now are stored up for fire. Judgment. Peter says, look, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been called to represent him. And you've called to live out his word. You've, you've been called to, 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 to walk out life in this in this messed up broken reality you've been called to walk as Jesus walked 
with an attitude to sacrifice, with an attitude toward others, with an attitude of not to be served, but to serve. You're to walk this out as an example of Jesus with the voice of truth on your lips. Calling sinners to repent. Telling those that you come in contact with about what Christ has done for them. Inviting them to put their faith and trust and to surrender their life to Christ just like you have. To join the body, the church, to be a part of us. You've been called to do that. They're going to scoff at you and they're going to uh, heckle you. They're going to make fun of you. But what you need to understand is God's not called us to change their mind. He's called us to be faithful. And before you get all twisted and and all all upset about what you're not able to do and defend what what questions they ask, Pastor, they're asking me questions I don't even know how to ask. It has science and math and stuff to do with it. And how does this, if that's going to be, then how is this and that? I just feel totally helpless. I feel totally incapable of doing what God has called me to do. Well, it's interesting then that, that Paul, in writing his letter to, the first, to, to 1 Corinthians, to the church there, says, you know what God has a, a real knack of doing? Taking the foolish things of this world and confounding the wisdom of the wise. You see, what God's not doing is God's not bringing a debate stand next to the world. God never brings the stand up and has the world and says, I'm going to have a debate with you and we're going to argue. Because God doesn't need to defend himself. Because God is God. There's no one like what he says is. And, and what we can do is either embrace that or reject that. But, but God doesn't need to defend himself. And God doesn't need me and you to defend him either. Now, apologetics is awesome. I think, it is, I think it is a wonderful field in which we can have good discussions with folks that might believe different. I appreciate those folks that have studied and are, are capable of debating. and Because that encourages me. It, it, it helps encourage me in what, what I do believe because they're telling me about things that I didn't realize. And, and that's encouraging. But at the end of the day, those debaters aren't charged with changing their minds. Because a lot of time, in fact, maybe most of the time, that's not going to happen. What are we to do? Beloved, stay the course. Hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back. And we need to be on course. We need to be following him and paying attention. You're going to have that in your ear. It's going to be there. But don't let them trip you up. Christian, scoffers are in your ear. Don't let them trip you up. Knowing this, what are we to do? Because next week we're going to talk about his coming, and that's a whole lot of fun. And we're going to get encouraged next week about the return of Jesus. And I, I, may, I may be even deviate outside of, of Second Peter and talk about some of the other things that, that the Scripture tells about his coming. I might just do that because that's encouraging and exciting. But knowing what we know, knowing this, Remaining faithful to the Word of God won't insulate you from the scoffers of your day. The more more closely you walk with Jesus, the louder those voices are going to be. 
The, the, the more diligently you put to practice what God has called through His Word, the more there will be those that stand up against you. Which leads to number two. Don't expect to change their mind. Don't expect that it's your job to change the mind of those who scoff. The best thing you can do is live faithfully in front of them. Demonstrate with your life and your consistency the truths of God's Word because they see it and hear it in you. And not just the words you say, but the acts of sacrifice and the acts of service that they see and feel from you. So that the life of Christ might be the thing that draws them to the Word of Christ. Because if all you ever have is the Word of Christ without the life of Christ, you know what those scoffers are going to keep doing? Scoffing with ammunition they've gained from you and me. So live the life before them. So that you might communicate the truth to them. Remaining faithful to what God has said. And then lastly, knowing this, let God's faithful and revealed promises fuel your life in light of the return of Jesus. Let the things God says about you, let the things God says to you, let the promises He's made for you, let the directions He's shown you be what fuels you, compels you into the arenas of your life like home and work and school and, and, and whatever other arenas that you're in. Let what God has said be what fuels your walk for His glory in the noise while we wait for His return. He came the first time. He said he's coming back. Well, that's going to happen. You really believe that? I got to quit if I don't. I got to do something else. But I don't have any intentions of quitting because, yeah, I do. Because he said it. And I'm going to trust it. Let's stand together, if you will. <laughs> Heads bowed and eyes closed. So glad that you're here today. If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you've been stirred. Not by what I've said, but by what God has said and is still saying in His Word. I hope you've been stirred to realize, wow, okay, yeah, I've gotten a little lazy. Got a little, got a little off kilter this week. I need to get refocused so I can keep living out this, this life of Christ that He's given me as this wonderful blessing through the free gift of salvation that is mine by faith. Live it out. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. If you don't know Jesus, man, today would be a great day just to surrender everything you've been trying. Because it's all been failing. You know it. I know it. To just surrender all, all that effort, all that expectation in anything other than Jesus. And just, just set that aside and embrace Jesus and Jesus alone crucified because we needed his death we needed his blood to be shed as a substitute for us we needed that 
He willingly laid down his life. Perfect sacrifice. And then he raised from the dead. Victorious over sin. Victorious over our enemy. Victorious over the scoffing. He is king. He is savior. And he'll save you if you want him. He certainly wants you. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder that there will be those that stand in opposition to us, having deliberately rejected what you've said. Their arguments will seem strong. Their intellect will come across as unmatched. And in the calculations of this world, probably are unmatched. But God, we know from your word that this world and the wisdom of it has ignored the greatest fact, and that is you. And so, Father, we reject all that the world has to offer and embrace you above all else and require anything of any truth not found in Scripture to find its validity as it passes through your word. What does not pass, we willingly and boldly reject in the face of scoffing for your glory. Now, God, we'll ask that you'll help us in the encounters that we will have this week to see your hand at work and to move toward you. I pray that you will help us to... uh, 